called Dawn from Pride and Prejudice. That was like the last thing I worked on with my piano teacher senior year of high school. Were you able to learn it or no? No, I learned the right hand definitely. (laughs) You quit halfway through? Like I think that was always my problem with piano is like I liked it when it sounded like a song which you can accomplish only using the right hand. So then it like so I would learn the right hand first. So that it sounded like the thing. And then I would never come back to the left hand unless forced. That's how I learned Hedwig's theme as well. I don't know. I did piano for like 15 years and I was never that good. But I didn't like differentiate between the hands. I just would only know like half the song, but like halfway through. I was made for a duet. I was made for someone else to play the left hand. Hello and welcome back to Remake Hot Take, the podcast where we play studio executives pitching remake ideas of our favorite and new media. I'm Maria Schwarz. And I'm Brooke Reese. And today we're joined by friend of the pod, Silvana. Do you want to reintroduce yourself for people who may not have seen your other episode? Sure. Thanks for having me on. I'm a person. I'm sometimes on the internet. And my name is Silvana. That's it. (laughs) And today we are doing one of my favorite movies ever, which Silvana was like the one to suggest. Like, had you just watched it for the first time or? I rewatched it with a friend recently, but I feel like like every woman alive on the planet right now I've seen this movie multiple times okay good throughout my life (laughs) I was like I don't know if this was like a first time watch for her because if so like you're late to the (laughs) the train here but but it had been on my mind recently one because Pride and Prejudice got a shout out in the movie Barbie and then also because I recently finished watching Succession and Mr. Darcy (laughs) also plays Mr. Tom Wamsgans in succession so can I spoil succession or no I haven't seen it and I don't have plans to <laughs> he 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 won he won yeah, succession he won. <laughs> it was a game sort of in the way that the throne of England is a game to win you know mm-hmm. oh yeah hooray <laughs> like it's to like run like the media company right he becomes ceo yes oh so he succeeds he wams gams all the siblings that's an unfortunate name he he becomes the ceo yeah because there is uh i think it was like a baseball player with the same last name who inspired his character who like is he bullied (laughs) he beat like three people in order to win the home run or something i could be Mm -hmm. wrong but it was something someone on tiktok dug up information on and was like oh i think this is gonna be like the end of succession because like this is the same last name and they were right so so brooke do you actually want to name the movie that we are (laughs) (laughs) so we are watching pride and prejudice um which like i said is one of my favorites i think it's one of maria it's one of your favorites too right um which which pride and prejudice the the bbc one (laughs) i'm sorry in my mind there's only one (laughs) um but it's the 
2005 Pride and Prejudice with Matthew McFadden, Keira Knightley, directed by, what is it, Joe Wright? It's the movie adaptation. The other is technically like a, a series, a miniseries. So. Yeah. Has anyone seen that? I've seen some of it. It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I've only seen a little bit of it, but this is like, this is the only one in my heart. I've actually, and I actually haven't read the the full book of Pride and Prejudice I got it like a year ago and I'm maybe like halfway into it. So I don't know, fake fan. I'm kind of the same. Like I feel like I'm kind of a poser because I haven't read the the book in its entirety either. But I've seen like almost every adaptation of like modern day Jane Austen, those types of movies, things like that. That it's like, we all know the storyline. So So would you both consider yourself like Janeites? No. No. Would you consider yourself Maria? <laughs> I took a I took a Jane Austen class, so yeah. Cool. And when I took my Jane Austen class, Brooke said, and I quote, Oh my gosh, reading all of Jane Austen sounds like fun. I'll do it with you. <laughs> and then she proceeded to not. <laughs> yeah, I said that and then I bought Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> That's when I bought it. <laughs> and then I did not finish it. I also own a copy of one of Jane Austen's books and I have not read it. Man. I now own every, not every copy, but every, every book. No, every um, copy ever printed. Every co- yeah, it's like the parent trap. <laughs> yeah. Is Pride and Prejudice your favorite book of hers or do you have a different favorite? I feel like this is like the one that makes me the least mad. Really? <laughs> so in my Jane Austen class, we didn't read Pride and Prejudice because she's like, I assume everyone has already read this book. And then we proceeded for the rest of the semester to compare every male love interest to Mr. Darcy because he's like the pinnacle and then everyone else sucks. And, you know, I read for the romance, um, but everyone else is like creepy. They're like a groomer. They like put down the female character. So I think Mr. Darcy's like the top one. He's also, you know, the richest, like he would be one of the top 10 richest men in England, which I feel like that's not stressed as much in, in the movie. It's like, oh, you know, he has money, but it's like, he's like Bezos. You know, he's got money, money. He's got money. <laughs> like, like we're eating him when we're eating the rich. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's true. I guess Mr. Darcy would be one of the first to go if they started Are eating you? the rich. This is a little after the. This is way after the French Revolution, right? <laughs> yeah like a hundred years or yeah this is the regency period i guess my real question was when did the french revolution take place 1789 to 1799 if you watched like queen charlotte the bridgerton story like that was right before the regency period and then like Queen Victoria was right after. So it's like oh. in between those. Because basically a lot of the plot of Queen Charlotte is about like, oh, none of my kids are producing heirs for me and stuff. And that's kind of like the whole thing is like the king goes mad and his son has to take over as the prince regent. So then that's the regency mm. period. And then when he dies, that's oh. Queen Victoria. Yeah. I never knew that's where the word regency comes from. That's like the only thing I got out of the Jane Austen class because she said that like every class. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I learned something new. All right. Well, let's jump into the film. I guess we can also talk about this as like a phenomenon, right? I mean, it was mentioned in the Barbie movie, but I think they referenced the BBC 
the wrong one. They do. I also think they know that this is the version they're trying to refer to, but this is more expensive to like be able to include a clip of in the movie. Yeah. So it's cheaper (laughs) to get the BBC version. That's the only reason why I think they did that. But that's just my hypothesis. Plenty of people like Colin Firth, me, myself, I'm just not as big of a fan of his version. And he's been Mr. Darcy twice because he was also in Bridget Jones' Diary as the like Darcy character. But I mean, maybe I'm just not as thrilled by British men in general as other people are. Colin Firth never really did it for me. Or Hugh Grant, maybe that's controversial, but they seem like fine, polite gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I I would shake their hands, but I'm not going to fuck them anytime soon. (laughs) I don't know. I like both of those English actors, but... That's funny. Yeah, they give a little nod in the Barbie movie because I feel like it has become an overwhelming like cultural phenomenon. I don't know if it was like successful enough at the box office when it first came out for us to call it like a cult classic, but it it has taken on like a a new wave with young women and I don't know what it is, but Keira Knightley is my like period piece queen. She she cannot go wrong when she's wearing a corset or like she can do no wrong. As soon as she slips that corset on, I'm like, I believe it. (laughs) Like I believe that she is in that time period and she's absolutely slaying. I love her so much. But well, it's like that kind of thing where it's like some people have the look like they've yeah. never seen an iPhone and yeah. I feel like she has it. I yeah. think that's like a British person thing as well. Yeah. <laughs> like they're better at playing period pieces than like yeah. Amer- Americans just look more modern, I guess. I don't know if that's a real yeah. thing or not, but if I had to pinpoint it, it would probably be like the lack of veneers because like every American actor has sh- shaved down their real teeth and they all have the shiny veneers that all look exactly the same. And Kira Knightley is like rocking what I assume are her like natural teeth in this. She's a mouth actor. There's a lot of focus on her mouth in in this movie. But yeah, I don't know when I started becoming obsessed with it. Like maybe like 10 years ago or so Mm. I, I put it on for the first time. And it's so, you know, the romance is its own thing, right? And and it's one of those where it's like a romantic film, but, you know, it's all about the tension. <laughs> it's yeah. all about the will they, won't they. There's no big, like, on-screen, like, sex scene or something. It's all about, like, the tension and what they're giving us and not giving us on the screen. But it's a beautiful film. Like, the cinematography is gorgeous. Very bucolic. Yeah, like, oh my, yes. <laughs> it, it is like an advertisement for moving to like rural farmland of England. I'm like, yes, I want to stroll the little like fields and I want to meet Mr. Darcy in the middle of one at like three in the morning. Um, but it's so beautiful. The cinematography, like the lighting in this, it seems like they, I mean, I'm sure it's not all natural lighting, but they use a lot of like, natural lighting times at like dawn yeah, like the, the sunlight <laughs> yeah <laughs> sunlight streaming in through the windows and all these beautiful like backlit shots with the sun like shining through and you get the characters profiles um and then the the score is so beautiful too it, it carries throughout the whole movie sometimes it's like diegetic right like sometimes it's like mary playing the piano and then like Kira knightley and lizzie um playing and the then piano. i was like because it was like everyone was playing the song and I was like yeah. is this like the Taylor Swift of like <laughs> they're like dad I have to learn dawn <laughs> but yes. everyone at the ball is gonna mock me if I play <laughs> minuets in c minor 
Paca Bell's can and they're like absolutely not that was so last year Dawn is so 1795 but yeah so it's it's just a beautiful movie and it's one where like it's a good background film for me like I can have it on in the background and it's one where it's like I can watch it a million times and literally never get sick of it. Like I watched it, I think three weeks ago, and then I rewatched it again this morning for the pod. I was like, of course. And I was still just as engaged every time. I think it's one of those films where I honestly can't remember the first time I saw it. Like I don't believe I saw it in theaters or anything, but it's been like a comfort film for such a long time. And I think it's a lot of people's comfort film. I think a lot of it is like the music and the pleasant scenery and the like comforting feeling of like living on the countryside in like beautiful houses. I can definitely understand why people are calmed by it. But yeah, I also think because it came out like like 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, <laughs> um, I think it's just like that familiarity that people gravitate towards. And yeah, Kiri Knightley was definitely like an it girl of that time as well. So whenever I see her in a film, I'm like, oh yeah, the good old days. I text Amaria she was so young in this and this was after she had done Pirates right so she she was in um Pirates of the Caribbean as Elizabeth Swan I think she was like 17 when she started filming she was so young in that and then this they because like I read like the Wikipedia page (laughs) for like kind of behind the scenes because I was looking at the director Joe Wright because he did then atonement with Kira Knightley, but then like darkest hour too. So he kind of he he kind of has a little bit of a different tone with that. But they were talking about trying to cast for this film, and they wanted to have like Kira Knightley to also appeal to like the younger generation that was watching Pirates of the Caribbean and how much they loved that and how big of a success that was. And then Matthew McFadden, uh, though he was like popular in England, he was not like internationally known at all. Oh, was he popular in England? I've only yeah. seen two things he's ever done with Succession <laughs> and Pride and Prejudice, which might be like the biggest things he's ever done. But Well, according to the Wikipedia page, he was like a well-known, like good actor. Like every Wikipedia page <laughs> says that. They're going to be like, he was a nobody on his Wikipedia <laughs> page. the same way that every nothing. movie is the number one movie in America. Off topic a little bit. Did you guys know that there's a different ending for the English, like UK original release yeah, than there is really? for the American one? Yes. So the the very last scene where she's like, "You can only call me Mrs. Darcy when I you're d- oh. perfectly incandescently happy." It they do not have that. It cuts off when the Bennett, what's his name, Daddy Bennett, <laughs> when <laughs> when Daddy Bennett is like. If anyone wants to marry Kitty or Mary, just send him in. I'm quite at my leisure. And then it cuts off there. That's like the last yeah. one that they get. That's crazy because um, I was watching clips on YouTube as like a refresher earlier today. Um, one, because my Netflix subscription ran out, so I don't have <laughs> access to the movie anymore. But I saw that clip and I was like, I've seen the clip before, but I don't remember watching that scene as like a younger kid. Like I don't have that ingrained the same way like the scene with like where they kiss with the sunlight and like Mm -hmm. they like ask the dad's permission and everything like that like those I remember very well but I was like oh that's so interesting and I was trying to pick out like what the setting was because I think they're near water but they're just like 
kneeling on this thing and Mr. Darcy starts out standing and then he kneels as well mm -hmm. and it's a very cute scene but he I think his he's like not wearing shoes or socks so his calves mm -hmm. are showing so I think maybe like his calves were just like too risque like it was too scandalous <laughs> yeah I remember looking at also those scenes on YouTube and a bunch of British people being like I've never yeah. seen this before and I was like you've been deprived yeah. the rumor that i've heard is that american like test audiences needed an they were like it needs to be sexier yeah they needed like that final sexy scene and i think it was they're just talking to each other <laughs> well they finally kiss in that scene but yeah. i think that what it said is that like when british test audiences saw that scene First of all, it's like not anywhere in the original book, um, but then that they thought it was like a bit off character for Mr. Darcy, especially uh, uh, because okay. like he has like a totally different personality now, which I can see. Um, well, I think it's more just like they're finally that close now that he's yeah. allowed to like be that open. But that's so interesting. I guess, well, I think the version I would rewatch as a kid was purchased on iTunes. So we might have just okay. like purchased the British version. Why did the UK version? <laughs> I might be wrong, but I believe the British test audience was all nuns. So just them being too close was just... The sample size was a little skewed. <laughs> yeah, I just, I thought that was funny because I love that last scene too. But oh, in terms of where they are, I think they're they're at... Um, Pemberley. Pemberley. Yeah. yeah, they're at Mr. Darcy's. They're at that famous lake with the all this that's well stocked stock. with fish. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> they're at the well-stocked lake. They're about to fuck on the dock. If you look closely in the background, you just see a little fish. <laughs> <laughs> it just it flies and mm -hmm. then pops out. Yeah, I think he's also wearing like, he's wearing like jorts. He's wearing like right. cutoffs. They're not <laughs> jeans, but they're definitely just cutoffs. Yeah. There is like a little frayed edge to them. So I'm like, I wonder if, you know, he was in full pants and then they were like, no, no, for this scene. And then like the costume like director like ran over with a pair of scissors and was like, this is it. Carry on. Are the same scissors that they cut Mario's bangs with today? They cut <laughs> his pants. Yeah, they were like more bang, <laughs> which it really is like just one big advertisement for a haircut because everyone is rocking them. Except for Jane. She's got just little wispies, but Lizzie is rocking like she her bangs go like all the way here <laughs> like not just like you know like, like a blunt <laughs> fringe it's like the entirety of of the sideburns too but maria did you want to talk about how you came to love and adore this movie or what it means to you i think i probably found it like on netflix or something and then i watched it and my mom was like what are they doing to Pride and Prejudice? But then whenever I'm watching it, she comes in and she watches it too. And then it was like taken off Netflix. So then they bought me the DVD for Christmas, um, which is currently in my storage locker. I'm surprised you didn't you didn't watch the movie pre-Netflix. I think the, the film itself predates Netflix. I mean, it's 2005. Did anyone do the Netflix DVD subscription? No. Yes, my dad did. He got we got 28 weeks later in the mail from Netflix. Um, and then we had to mail it back. And they think that's the only movie we ever did. That's funny that you said that like your mom was opposed to it because my mom and I watched it for the first time. I think like maybe two months ago we watched it for the first time because she knew like how much I loved it and how, how obsessed it was. Also, for anyone that's like keeping track here, another big key component to me liking this movie is that I've mentioned time and time again 
is that I may have a little bit of like a colonial man fetish <laughs> and Mr. Darcy again it's like the white flowing shirt it Maria moved to the side so we can see him <laughs> that scene in particular <laughs> when he's like all but just walking <laughs> it's the way he walks too Matthew McFadden oh he's putting his whole well like also like it's the detail of he rides everywhere but mm-hmm. he walks to her because she likes to walk. And he's just strutting. Like, it's so good. He's almost walking, like, pelvis first <laughs> in a couple <laughs> scenes. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is really doing it for me. So <laughs> that's another perk. But my mom was like, I have to see what this is about. And then she was like, wow, that was a beautiful movie. And I was like, yes, it was, mom. That was pure sex that you just saw <laughs> on scene. That was pure masculine energy and I was eating it up I think like the appeal to me is that it is the romance movie for awkward introverts like everyone in this movie is awkward like I don't think there's anyone who is sure of themselves in this entire movie except maybe like Wickham and like that's a red flag you know like everyone is awkward yeah Lydia is pretty like she's pretty sure of herself but fuck Lydia not in a good way (laughs) and everyone hates her (laughs) that that goes into like the period thing of like sense and sensibility of like it was bad to be too sensible which like in that period meant like sensitive and so like she's basically like bringing scorn to her family by being like overly emotional it's like you have to be the balance between sense and sensibility jane leads more to to sense than sensibility and then she's like you're too uptight you're aloof i didn't know that's what like the understanding of sensibility was at the time mm-hmm. that makes my understanding of the film and book sense and sensibility way different <laughs> Right. I haven't watched the entire movie of Sense of Sensibility, but I've seen clips multiple times. Like I'll walk in to someone watching it on the TV multiple times, but I'll never watch it all the way through. How <laughs> often are you entering people's yeah. homes? <laughs> it's just on TV often. I forget what channel. It's probably BBC America. Whenever I break into a house, they're like always watching Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> but like with Alan Rickman, Emma Thompson, and Kate Winslet. Like, I'll see them playing that movie and like on like the E channel too, like all the time. <laughs> I just won't bother to watch the entire thing. I'll just pop in and out. I think Kate Winslet ends up with Alan Rickman and that pairing really like bummed me out. So I was like, mm, I don't really, yeah. I don't really like this. <laughs> see, film. that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. this is Mr. Darcy is like the peak man because everyone else is like creepily old and well, I don't know because yeah. I really like um Emma and I like that storyline I like Clueless and everything but just like that fact that he was so much older was like yeah I can understand the the creepiness mm-hmm. factor I guess that's like yeah that's kind of sad because Mr. Darcy turns himself around but he starts out <laughs> very bad <laughs> like you know he starts out saying essentially like your whole family is trash and also you're trash but I happen to be attracted to this trash (laughs) but even then I'm like I don't know he's still sexy then but he turns himself around and he he puts in the work to get in that relationship (laughs) and to to get back her trust but everyone is kind of bad well it reminds me of that Phoebe Bridger song where she's just like I hate your mom but they're like in a relationship (laughs) still Oh, or he just like has to learn to appreciate her family. 
The mother-in-law, I feel like, would be difficult. But also, like, she's not a villain necessarily in the way that some of the other mothers in Jane Austen books are. Because, like, you can see that the only way that a woman can really make any income is through marriage. And so... And they're about to get all of their their homes taken away and everything. But basically, like, Northanger Abbey, the guy, mm-hmm. like, mocks the female love interest. And he's like, you're stupid. You read books that aren't history. Um, and then Sense and Sensibility, the guy is, like, already engaged. Then the other guy is old. And um, Mansfield Park, his family, like, bullies her. <laughs> um, Emma, he, like, grooms her from an early age. Yeah, I mean, I also do really like the cast for the most part of this movie, Mm -hmm. you know, except for like, I want to know how Jenna Malone got there. Like, how how did the girl from Kentucky, like at least Donald Sutherland has like the decency to be Canadian, you know, like Donald Sutherland is Canadian. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, they both were in the Hunger Games, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> President Snow. <laughs> yeah. I do really enjoy this cast. I think everybody does a good job. And it's nice to see that everybody also, like, went on to do, like, other things. And they're, like, still famous and stuff. Justice for Mary. True. But I do remember it was, like, some sort of interview, either with the actor or the director, where they talked about the casting and how they weren't really concerned about making them look similar and like look related but made sure their mannerisms and sort of the way they acted the characters you could tell that they had that commonality and that they like laughed the same way or like had similar habits things like that that families share as opposed to like they all look the same you know I also will say like this is one of the only movies that I think Donald Sutherland doesn't like creep me out so he's (laughs) a good actor well That's true. He wasn't like a creepy character at all. But in the last scene, I did notice this time around, I think Karen Knightley like kisses his forehead or something like that. And I just was very keenly aware of the fact of how small her head was compared to the size of his head. I was like, wow, (laughs) that man has a very large head. So which, you know, humans come in all shapes and sizes. But I was like, wow, (laughs) the contrast. Sylvana's body shaming Donald Sutherland. (laughs) I'm head shaming, yeah. Well, I love Mr. Collins. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He is such a funny little character. And I feel like he has just like the best moments. Uh, I mean, he's obviously written for like comedic relief in this movie in the sense that he is like so pathetic um but like all of the comedy comes from like those moments you know I think like the first like three times that I watched this when I was like you know 10 years ago when I was 13 I think I wasn't taking in all of the like subtle like jabs at him I really had to like sit down and like pay attention to what they were actually saying in the dialogue and one of my favorite moments it is like when he like sits down at dinner and he's like, what excellent boiled potatoes. <laughs> but then he's also saying that like he loves to give women compliments and that essentially, you know, he he's like, I love to think of these little things of like, oh, I don't know, like, you know, her hair is pretty or whatever, like comes to him in the moment. And then it's such a funny moment when 
Lizzie basically is like, oh, like, do you rehearse these <laughs> compliments? And then he's like, sometimes I do. And she was like, okay, well, no one would think that your manners were rehearsed, um, which I think is just such a funny back and forth that they have. He's such a name dropper, too. He likes to be well connected. Lady Catherine. <laughs> like, it's like someone who has, like, seen Scarlett Johansson from afar and, like, won't stop talking about it. That's, like, the vibe. I, like, met Scarlett Johansson in a cafe once. <laughs> How common was marrying cousins? Or, like, just cousins? I mean, well, it is England, you know? Yeah, it's a different it's very... vibe over there. Is Limited that... gene pool. It's an island. You can only meet so many people yeah, on the island. Like... I don't know why, but in my mind, I thought that was reserved for, like, the Mr. Darcy caliber, like, the rich people. Well, yeah, the, like, keeping the money in the family kind Mm -hmm. of thing, I can understand, but... And that's why Mr. Collins wanted to marry from his own family that he was going to inherit. Well, they also did that in Gilmore Girls, just to give some context to, like the money type thing Richard Gilmore's mother married oh. her, his her cousin so they both were named Gilmore her maiden name was also Gilmore and she was like if she wanted to keep it in the family <laughs> she wanted to I remain mean, a Gilmore it's so, hard going to the bank yeah, opening another like, account it's just right? easier <laughs> yeah even as recent as that you know people do it sometimes I guess I mean, it's not recommended. Not recommended. Jeez, it's a miracle. People were walking out of there without tails and stuff. People have been born with tails before. It's, you know. (laughs) Now who's body shaming? (laughs) Listen, all tails are beautiful. (laughs) I would do a genealogy. Ancestors.com if you do. Well, the most most common result of marrying your cousin is the blue eye gene, Brooke. (laughs) I have green eyes. Excuse me. My bloodline is pure. So Whoa. mine is not we've like but traced down cousins and no blue eyes no i don't think my parents are cousins but we never- <laughs> yeah they say they say that's like rare gene or something that like to have blue eyes it means that some sort of cousin or cousin adjacent situation was going on yeah i think somewhere. actually greeners are even more rare than blue eyes yeah. so do you think just like everyone in my family was fucking each other and this is how i find out <laughs> Yeah, I think it's like 2% of the world's population has green eyes and like blue eyes is like 9%, 6 or 6 to 9% or something. But no, we've never done an ancestry.com genealogy search, mostly because like, I don't know if my parents just like committed crimes, but they're like, no, then the government like has your DNA. And like, I bought my mom a kit for like Christmas, like five years ago. And then she never did it because she was like, no, then they have, they have your DNA. And I was like, yeah, but like, have you done something illegal? <laughs> and she she would not say. Because then she's in the database when they run, you know, the fingerprints from the murder scene. Her name's going to come up. You don't yeah. want that. That solved like a cold case or something where like this oh, guy's God. daughter went for like a free gyno ex- exam at her college. And then <laughs> that's how they caught him. So. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> women's health care <laughs> <laughs> solving murders <laughs> solving murders left and right that happens all the time though now like that happens all the time like you better count your freaking blessings that your extended family never wants to find out about their ancestry <laughs> because it happens all the time but i don't know i don't know what deborah is hiding she's either hiding the cousin thing or um she's a murderer <laughs> so yeah those know. are the only two options those are the only two <laughs> wow it's not looking good for me guys <laughs> yeah i didn't realize that 
that was like as common of a practice that laid into like the we're in like the 1800s right I thought it was just something that like royalty did but I guess everyone was doing it it was the trend of the time because <laughs> Mr. Darcy was supposed to marry his cousin too oh, I guess man. you know you already know him so <laughs> It makes it's not as awkward. Where'd you two meet? Meet cute at the reunion. <laughs> Where'd you two meet? Playdate when we were three years old. Yeah, it's always funny too to like watch back movies that you've seen when you're younger as an older person and just like see all the jokes you didn't yeah. pick up on or just like any movie you rewatch a thousand times. It's like each rewatch will be like slightly different. You'll pick up on something else. Yeah. It's always enjoyable to do that. But yeah, little jokes that will land for me on like the sixth watch are always like the best. I know. I feel like for those movies, the comfort watches, like I'm never paying attention like 100% of my time. I'm always on my phone for like a portion of it since I've seen it so much. But it's it seems to happen where like I'm on my phone for like a different portion of it each time. So I'm like, I didn't pay attention to the list the last like 10 times. Let me see what's going on here. This, this time when I was watching through I was trying to like google the different areas that they had mentioned um because you know it's like Miss Lucas Charlotte her like close friend marries Mr. Collins and then they go off and I'm like you know I wonder like how far away they are from each other because <laughs> it's like she's probably only like I don't know 10 miles away but that's like far enough in the 1800s that she only gets to see her like once every year now <laughs> um which is also like kind of funny to think and then that le- led me on like a whirlwind journey of looking up these different places that they mention and I think one of them's called like what is it it's called like the peaks or something but it's this like beautiful area you know when she has that moment when she's like standing like near the cliff and her dress is like billowing up behind her that's that area that they mention and then I was like trying to get like a sense of the scale of England so I was like what U.S. state (laughs) well because I was like I was like this England is so small and I was like, no wonder they were trying to, like, conquer everywhere else. <laughs> like, they needed room to expand. <laughs> like, they they were in, like, a tiny little house yeah. and they were trying to do an add-on to, like, get some more room in there. But I was like, it's it's basically, like, England and alone, not, not the UK in its entirety, but England alone is, like, yeah. the size of the state of, like, New York or something, um, which is just crazy. And I think that is, like, a cultural, like, shock for, like, Europeans to hear about is when someone in the U.S. is like, oh, yeah, like, I went on a trip to go see, like, my grandparents in Chicago, and they're like, oh, my God, like, how long of a drive was that? And you're like, oh, it was, like, a 15-hour drive, you know, like, we just left early in the morning, and, like, a 15-hour drive for them could get them through, like, halfway through, like, a different continent. They would drive through, like, six countries, which is insane, but, yeah, England is teeny tiny. Yeah, they're definitely very dramatic when it comes to, like, traveling to go places, they're like oh well she lives like an hour away so I only get to see her like I have to take a whole train for 45 minutes and I'm like I mean that's just someone's commute to work in the U.S. yeah like um my family would do like day trips to New York so like wake up do four hour drive hang out chill see something and then drive four hours back and that's like a whole day of it and it's not like an insane amount of driving time I think 15 hours is a a pretty long time (laughs) But four, I think, is very manageable for most Americans. Yeah. But I don't know. They're very much like, ooh, 30 minutes. That's like, I need to bring a snack. I need a book. And I'm like... <laughs> 
that's like what four songs on the radio come on (laughs) oh my gosh that's funny but yeah obviously the hand flex is another iconic moment Mm. of this film which I think like people were trying to determine if that was like improved by Matthew McFadden which I think Mm. it was um but yeah it's just like oh just adding to that yeah. tension and like the the sex of like non-sexual things yeah like I feel like in the real modern world of today like men don't yearn the way that he yearned you know <laughs> and it's so very true. disappointing <laughs> yeah it is that's, that's really the issue <laughs> Men don't yearn like they used to. It's all like just texting you up and like Darcy would never. It's like, do they even like women all that much? Like it doesn't seem like they're all that interested. No. No. Mr. Darcy, he he liked women. He appreciated women. Despite their background and their family. (laughs) Despite all his hesitation. I, I guess I also don't understand like the ins and outs of the politics of a, a an unmarried woman mm. um, running off with a man. I understand that how that would ruin her, but I guess I was never enlightened to how that would ruin her entire family and so like I guess just like Mm. one of the daughters being a slut they were like you can't marry any of those other whores is that how that works is it just like yeah it reflects on your breeding yeah you're just associated with that forever can you imagine how pissed you would be if like your shitty little sister who's that's why they're so pissed and then then like literally which I think is like true for all children of emotionally immature parents um (laughs) when she's like mom we were just like so mad at her like don't you remember that that happened and she's like the only one that's living with the burden the mom is like I'm so happy that she's my daughter and that she's married because it's such a relief in the end but they all went through the trauma (laughs) yeah I I was paying attention more to the scene where Mr. Bennett and Lizzie are talking about Lydia going off to to Brighton with the Forsters or something, Colonel Forster. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was paying it. That was like one of the scenes that I was <laughs> paying attention more this time since I was on my phone <laughs> the last time that I watched it. And like Lizzie knows, she says that like Lydia is going to get in trouble. Like she freaking calls it from the start. And Mr. Bennett, <laughs> he's like, he's so done with Lydia's shit. He's literally like, well. She's never going to give us a day of peace if, like, we tell her that she can go and then we tell her that she can't. And then he's also, like, very harsh, but, like, kind of true. He's like, Lydia needs to recognize her own insignificance in this world. And I was like, oh, shit. I guess, like, we all do kind of have those moments when we leave home for the first time and and go out to to venture elsewhere. But I don't think she did learn her own insignificance because... Mr. Wickham just got into her pants real quick. (laughs) I worry about her in the marriage. Like you see that part where she's like waving Mm. and then he like pulls her down. I don't know. I just feel like he Mm. is abusive. I don't know. Did anyone else get those vibes? Oh, for sure. That's what Lizzie says. She says like, like, you know, the uh, Mrs. Bennett is like crying because her daughter is leaving her. She's just like an emotional wreck. She would have so benefited from like an SSRI. (laughs) Like she, (laughs) she really had some like high high highs and low lows but she's so like overjoyed that now one of her daughters is married off which it it is stressful for to have like how many of the five of them five daughters that's true um but then she like starts sobbing because Lydia is now leaving her and she's sad to see one of her children go off 
But yeah, that's what Lizzie says, you know, and that's why she treats also Mr. Wickham so poorly. I think Lizzie kind of couldn't really give a shit about her reputation and if she ever did marry a man. But I think she also is very much worried for for Lydia. And even though they don't have like the best relationship amongst the siblings, I think she knows that Mr. Wickham is bad news and that she's not going to have a happy marriage with him. I mean, and truthfully, like Lydia sucks. She's like a little twerp, but she was like 15, right? <laughs> or like yeah. Maybe that's just his type because he prayed after yeah, Georgiana after, at that same yeah, age. Yeah. After the other 15 year old. So he's like the Leonardo DiCaprio of the military. <laughs> <laughs> he has a certain age set and he cannot yeah. go above that. She's a victim in that scenario too, even though her personality is pretty grating. <laughs> the idea of the spinsters also talked about in this film. And as women of a certain age, do you <laughs> would you consider us spinsters or would you use a different terminology? I think there's a list somewhere of like oh, all the yeah. words they use for unmarried women above I've, a Yeah, age. I've seen that. They get like pretty funny. <laughs> they, they get like weird and people are like, I'm a bird watcher, like yeah. whatever. Because I think at this age, I think we've all aged out of spinsterhood. Like we're too old. I think we're even worse. But personally, I'm not going to worry about it until I'm 30. <laughs> and then I want kids so bad if I'm 35 and I'm still unwed, I'm popping one out myself. I'm going to the sperm bank <laughs> and um, I'm going to see what they have on file. I think I might get nervous if I end up at 27, no money, no mm. prospects, a burden to my family, and I'm frightened. That might be when I start feeling it. I think that's a classic age. <laughs> I mean, Maria, do you have just like that checklist hanging over your head? Money. <laughs> prospects <laughs> not burden <laughs> one of the weird things i noticed this time is like the weird almost like subplot they had with mary like they didn't really like go into depth but like she's the only one who stands when mr collins comes into the room she's the only one who doesn't laugh at him so i'm like is there like a weird subplot going on where it's like she should marry mr collins because like we should suggest that <laughs> i have noticed that before i was hoping that wasn't the case because it's icky still. Yeah. I thought it was maybe just like she seems to be the one that's like forgotten the most and like picked on and they don't let her play the piano and her like Mr. Bennett at the at the one ball scene, which also one of my favorite like singular scenes in this movie or like one of my favorite singular shots is when Darcy and Lizzie are dancing at Bingley's ball and then like all of the other people in the background fade away and then it's just them. Um, and it's just like the score and it's so yeah. like beautiful dances are so complex like that's yeah. why we have like the cha-cha slide now like I need to be told yeah. what to do like how am I like I would be elbowed in the face yeah. so many times no I always love the dance scenes in these types of films and it's also to me the only thing reminiscent of that in the modern world is like a middle school dance where it's like boys and girls are forced to attend and like hang out together at like a school function. Cause I mean, modern day parties for like adults, there's no, you know, code of conduct, pre rehearsed steps and dances and stuff like that. And there are definitely a lot of scenes where she's dancing and holding a conversation with Jane and like her cousin at the same time. And then like her and Jane 
scurry off to like whisper in a corner because like she agreed to dance with Mr. Darcy like that's middle school behavior to me <laughs> I'm like oh my god like Brian S just asked me to dance or whatever <laughs> like that's very like young giddy love and that's the only thing I can really compare it to because I feel like adults don't really have the town is coming together to socialize mm-hmm. you really lose that sense of community after like age 12. I in my mind I've always compared it to like Texas line dancing at a bar Mm. (laughs) also I've always like compared it to and what I've always like wanted to recreate in my mind because they do that at like a small town bar and they have like you know a mechanical bowl in the corner but then they also do line dancing and everyone like gets in on it and has fun so so you have middle school dances and then you have to go to Texas to recreate (laughs) to recreate that atmosphere I guess I'll give a a last shout out to like also the rain scene when she's like running in the rain and is drenching wet which I feel is like a very Kira Knightley thing like she She's like drenching. Often rained on. Yeah, she's rained on a lot in Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> um, but it, it works for her. She looks good when she's like drenching wet and like miserable and mad at someone. It's a good look for her. <laughs> um, but that's like honestly their most like sexually charged scene is when they're screaming at each other and he's just basically called her like trash and then she's screaming at him and then they like get close for that like one second. They're like looking at each other like up and down looking at each other's lips but um I love that scene and I don't know like what kind of structure are they under it's not like a gazebo but it's like random columns <laughs> um which you can go and like visit it on like a Pride and Prejudice tour of where they filmed no oh, they and- still have the Darcy statue at Pemberley I was mad at her like aunt and uncle when they were like he's so civil not at all like you painted him like it's family take her side you know like I don't know I felt like <laughs> my, my family has to be ride or die for me not siding with the man I don't know <laughs> I agree with that if I have an enemy my whole family has an enemy like <laughs> <laughs> all right do we want to move into the remakes obviously this is a perfect film so all of these suggestions are just silly goofy but I think that you know if we were to remake this in modern times one really easy change that we could have with the casting is that we replace Mr. Collins, who is played by Tom Hollander, with Tom Holland. <laughs> I think we just do a little switcheroo there. And then we're, you know, appealing to an even younger cast. And they seem like, in my mind, they are similar heights. Is Tom Holland short? He just seems short he to me. He is short. He's very charismatic, but I think he could play pathetic well. And then, like, you know, he's, like, f- physically attractive, but I think Tom Hollander, like, he's in Pirates of the Caribbean, too. I don't think he's ugly. <laughs> um, so I think Tom Holland is a bit more traditionally attractive, but then it's, like, a fun game, you know? Then it's, like, oh, like, Miss Lucas is, like, a lucky girl. <laughs> um, forget with him so I think we could like you know really boost up his character he could be like a short king as they say um and I think that we make that one little swap Tom Hollander with Tom Holland maybe and then in the next one it's Tom Hollandist we have Tom Holland Tom Hollander and then Tom Hollandist for the (laughs) for the levels I don't know if we found that actor yet but we're looking. He's out there. The, the casting directors are scouring of the English countryside. <laughs> Another one is I think that Darcy's shirt in the last scene or second to last scene 
um, should be unbuttoned uh, even a little more. <laughs> I want to see like belly button. <laughs> I want it to be <laughs> like a, even he has a piercing. <laughs> yeah, I want to see his belly button ring. I want to see a little like hair. Like I think it needs to go a couple more buttons down. That's really just like a selfish remake. That one's just for me. <laughs> no, you just you just want a cardigan. You just want the whole. <laughs> I basically just want to open it. <laughs> I just want no shirt, actually. But only for the American audience. I don't know if the yeah. British audience well, could take it. Just CGI a shirt on for the UK audience. <laughs> yeah, green, green screen <laughs> the shirt on for the rest of them. Another moment that we could remake is that like Lizzie <clears throat> is talking with Catherine DeBerg when she went went over to visit Charlotte and Mr. Collins. And she is like very unashamed to say that she's not good at the piano. And she's like not very musical. She doesn't have all these talents. And I think that instead of making her play the piano they make her play like a recorder um like we all had to do in fourth grade and then we just get to hear the dulcet tones of a badly played recorder and I think that also just hits that nostalgia at least for the American audience I don't know what the what they're doing over there in the UK but I think that's just another way to like pull at our our nostalgic heartstrings and then my last one is that instead of pride and prejudice it's called fried and prejudice and it's a cooking show spinoff um <laughs> similar to the british bake-off um but they're all in period piece clothing and they're making fried foods only <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. And the judges are prejudiced. <laughs> they do not like people of color. <laughs> That's another spinoff show. It'll it'll get quickly canceled, but mm-hmm. I think Netflix will give it at least one season. But, you know, like fried Oreos, uh, fried chicken, anything, anything of that variety. So I think in the Pride and Prejudice community, everyone has written a book from Mr. Darcy's perspective because like, we don't know what he was doing really when he was like looking for Lydia and everything and everyone has written their spin-off version. So has my aunt, uh, <laughs> Mr. Darcy and the Secret of Becoming a Gentleman by Maria Hamilton, um, which you can purchase now. But every like fan fiction writer has written something from Mr. Darcy's perspective. I think we throw it back to Mary. I think she is really the unspoken hero of this story she's very observant she's going to notice things that other people don't all of her things are going to be like another ball it's just it's going to be you know I want to hear her story I want to hear about the piano practices I want to hear about how much she wants to read and how much she hates her sisters and I think that's the perspective that we want. <laughs> She's like, oh, like Jane is doing her thing. Um, here's what I read in chapter 11 of the Bible. I don't know. Chapter 11. <laughs> I've never read the Bible. I grew up atheist. I'm sorry. Um, and then I had a very similar remake idea to you, Brooke, where, you know, like Lizzie is being asked to play the pianoforte for uh judy dench instead of playing dawn she just plays chopsticks um because then i think it would be funny if she's like i really i can't play well and then she just like does the best that she can um and i just think it would be funny if like they're like do 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 and they're like and and it just keeps going in the background and then they're like 
so Mr. Darcy, how's Georgiana doing? And you're just hearing chopsticks in the back. Darcy come over and like play the accompanying part. Right? She's like, play the piano forte. And she's like, I- I'm not, I'm not modest. I really can't play. And she's like, you must. I really enjoy to hear it. And she walks over to the piano forte and she's like, no, 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 not that one. And she pulls out the like large piano from the toy store in big and she has to jump. (laughs) My final one is that I noticed that a lot of this movie, the way it's filmed, it would be very, very easy to switch it to a horror movie. Like we have like the moments where like she's sitting in church and she's looking at Darcy and then we have like the sudden look up and then we switch away. Like it would be so easy to change it to a horror movie. Like there's that time where she's at looking for Mr. Wickham at the ball and like he's like right behind her. Like Mr. Darcy is like trailing after her. I just feel like if we add particular music to it we could make this into a horror film. I kind of wrote a little bit of a plot (laughs) of it. Um, So when we first meet Mr. Darcy, he's on verge of a freakout. He's just killed another woman newly out in society. The British police are on his ass and he's freaking out that they're going to catch him. He doesn't have exactly the most genius hiding spot. They're all in his massive Pemberley Lake that is Mm -hmm. stocked full with fish but often left unattended. So when Mr. Bingley says that he's renting out a house in the countryside, Mr. Darcy jumps on the opportunity to escape the town for a little while. He swears the murder is over. Then he meets Lizzie Bennet. He resists temptation. He can't kill again. But then he touches her hand and he is in. He tends to choose his victims via touch. And so that's why he he reacts so much to it because he's like, "This, this is it. And then Um, But he still tries to resist. But then he sees Mr. Wickham, the one who's gotten away before. And he realizes the murders are far from over. Oh, my gosh. So, like, is Mr. Darcy, like, Jack the Ripper? Yeah. (laughs) That's what we find out after all this time. Yep. I would watch that, definitely. Thank you. Pride and Prejudice and Perilous Activities. (laughs) Pride and Prejudice and Polka Dots. Maybe Pride and Prejudice and Panic? Yeah. Uh, I was like, what's a gory word? We got there eventually. Forget my Polka Dot suggestion. (laughs) I don't really have, like, a, a casting or, like, a remake pitch but I feel like Jane Austen's stories have often been adapted for like modern era things and like high school stories or things like that so I would actually be interested in having some modern stories and modern movies be turned into Regency era stuff that isn't like inherently written for that time period and just thinking about like the type of relationship drama of those stories I think the movie John Tucker Must Die and also Crazy Stupid Love. I think both those movies would be really good adaptations for Regency era movies. I think those would do a good job. That's a good idea. Wow. You know how Lion King is Hamlet. We turn like Coco into Shakespeare. Yeah. But also there's a very famous scene in Crazy Stupid Love where they just like tackle everybody. And I want to see what that scene would play out like in Regency era like in the middle of a ball or like walking in a field they just start beating each other up 
Yeah. And then the pianoforte in the background. So who's your daddy stats? First off, Marusamund Pike's parents were both opera singers. Let's just get her out of the way before we get into like the interesting stuff. Kira Knightley's family. So she's the youngest. And her, when her older brother was born and she was not alive, um, her parents are both <laughs> theater actors and her mom's a playwright. Her dad who wasn't her dad, I don't know how to explain, her soon-to-be dad um, told her soon-to-be mom, um, you, we can have a second kid as long as you sell another play. And so she was like writing like crazy and sending things out. And then Alan Rickman picked up her play at the Bush Theater out of the slush pile and convinced them to buy the play and, and put on that play, um, thus securing the birth of Kira Knightley. So we wouldn't have Kira Knightley without Alan Rickman. <laughs> She's like a double whammy Nepo baby of like her parents are famous, but also her conception was financed by a famous person. <laughs> right? England's crazy. Yeah. They really only have like 10 actors yeah. and that's mm-hmm. it. They all know each other. They all went to the same school and they're all best friends. It's not they're not cousins. They all just like spawn one at a time <laughs> and then they reign as the, as one of 10 actors for the next 40 years <sighs> all right well what's everyone been watching lately i finished watching barry and i just finished watching succession so i'm i've definitely been in like finale mode i recently rewatched the movie groundhog day and then also what else did I watch oh my god did you watch Groundhog Day again the next day and then again the next day and that has to be it because I'm blanking on the other movie I watched recently I really enjoyed Groundhog Day I kind of like remembered the gist of it but it was a very enjoyable movie um, had Annie McDowell, uh, Margaret Qualley's mom in it, and then Bill Murray, of course. And then I also rewatched The Mindy Project recently as just like something to have in the background because um, I never fully watched the end of that because it kind of fell off. And I think like Fox canceled it or NBC, wherever it was. And then Hulu picked it up and finished it out. And it got worse and really messy, (laughs) but they wrapped it up nicely in the end, so that was fine. Yeah, Succession and Barry, watching those endings, they were, like, very well done. And I also think they were perfect endings for the type of shows that they were. And having seen, like, series finales in the past, a lot of times they're either more, like, fan service or just, like, the show went on, like, one too many seasons long. So that it was just like too messy by the time they tried to like tie everything up that I think there were two like four season shows and I think they ended them like the way they intended to and like it felt very purposeful and like full circle. So I very much enjoyed those shows, but very different vibes than Groundhog Day. (laughs) Very intense shows. And then I watched Groundhog Day and was like, that was really sweet. Wow. (laughs) We love love. I have never actually seen Groundhog Day, but I did go to two Groundhog Day celebrations in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. You're just a Pennsylvania gal, look at you. Um, but they were freaking wild. My parents and I went, um, so it's like, you know, in February, so it was freezing cold the first time that we went. And I think I was in like my sophomore year of high school, so I was like 14 or 15 we went and we had just bought an RV and it was, you know, the middle of winter and it was one of the coldest groundhog days that they had had in the past like 10 years. Um, so it was like, oh gosh, I think like five degrees or something. And we had just bought this new RV 
and we because a lot of people camp out in like this walmart parking lot that's in the punxsutawney area and then you take these buses and they bus you into um the little area that of like it's basically like a big field that they do the actual celebration um and it was all like college kids from all of the nearby campuses like partying so hard all in the walmart parking lot there are people in RVs and campers, trailers, and then also, like, there were some tent campers, too, but then people sleeping in their cars. But it was mostly college kids partying, so people were, like, puking for hours outside of our <laughs> outside of our RV. And then we, my dad had, like, not read the manual yet on how to, like, turn on the heat inside of the RV, so we had no heat. And I, like, genuinely thought that I was going to pass away in my sleep. Like it was so cold. <laughs> I was like, this is it. Um, and I was like on the little, like, uh, it was like a little dining table banquette that folds down into like a little bed. Um, and I had like all these blankets piled on top of me. And then it was so cold that our like breathing in the night had caused when we woke up like three inches of ice to be on the inside of the RV like from the condensation from our breath it had frozen onto all the windows and everything and it was like three inches thick um but then we went and so then you get up at literally like it starts at 3 a.m so you get up at 3 a.m and you get on one of these buses and they bus you down like a 10 minute ride down into this field um, and it's like a whole thing. They had fireworks, they had dance teams, they had like food trucks and carnival food. Like it's this whole thing. Um, and literally like fireworks they did every hour on the hour from 3 a.m. until like 7 a.m. when they finally got Phil out there. And then they do like a whole speech and all these people from the town that are um like a part of the Phil like fan club or whatever, they put on like their old garb. Um, and then they're like the prognosticator of prognosticators <laughs> um, and they hold it up and then at the very end they like grab them and they hold them up to the crowd and everyone goes batshit crazy they're like ah <laughs> like it's Phil and then everyone in the crowd would chant and they would go Phil 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 <laughs> so it was quite the experience so we went back the next year too and thankfully it was a lot warmer because it was freezing because we were standing outside in this field from like for from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning. Um, so it was so, so cold. And I had to like have like hand warmer packets and my feet were going numb. But the next year we went and it was like in the 30s. So it was a lot warmer. Um, but yeah, it was a trippy experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's but, crazy. Because yeah. definitely in the film, it's more of like a really cute small town with like all these quirky town characters um so definitely a lot less debauchery than it seems like in reality just all these college kids puking it was just yeah they were drinking and like there was kegs they were doing keg stands at like 3 a.m yes at like 3 a.m and they they were up all night so it was funny um but mari and i just watched anastasia together for a little virtual movie night yesterday um, which was so good. I had never seen it much to Maria's dismay. I actually like wasn't too invested in the love story between oh, no. her and Dimitri. Um, I love them. I think like John Cusack's like voice just like 
turned John off. Cusack? Yeah. Oh, wow. His voice, like, turned me off the second that I, like, recognized it as being John Cusack. I was like, oh, I can't. I can't. I get that. Anymore. <laughs> um, but I really loved it. The, the music was amazing. Like, every single song was a bop. I watched another new movie, the Barbie movie. Um, I went to go see that with my parents. I drove back home for the weekend. And then my dad told me he's like a hospitalist and he was at a working at a hospital that's like an hour and a half from our house back in Pennsylvania. So they like have him stay at a hotel every time he works up there. So my mom and I joined him at the hotel and there's like this little like walking path nearby. And he was like, oh, like, it's really nice. Like, it's around the lake. We'll go for a little walk. And then the first showing of the Barbie movie at this, like, tiny town theater at this small town in rural Pennsylvania was showing at, like, 1230. And it was, like, 11 a.m. And we were like, okay. Um, And so we go on this walk. It was an hour and a half walk. And we started at 11 a.m. And it was not around a lake. It was through the woods. I was being eaten alive by bugs. And I, like, told my dad, I was like, I want to look cute for the Barbie movie. I brought a pink Aww. dress with me. Um, so I was sweating, and I was, like, we were spraying, like, bug spray, like, crazy. And then um, we had the RV there with us, too. And so then we were rushing to get back. And this is, like, my dad does this all the time. This is not the first time he said we were going on a walk, and it was literally, like, an hour and a half hike. So then we were, like, running because it was getting closer and closer to 1230, Um, So then I changed in the RV while he was driving it to the movie theater so that I could put on my little Barbie dress (laughs) and put on my makeup to go and see it. Um, But I loved it. I I missed the Barbie pod um, because unfortunately my roommate was in the hospital. Um, Mm. But I really wanted to join because I love Barbie movies so much. The first Barbie movie was Barbie Nutcracker and it was released on October 2nd, which is my birthday, 2001. And all of the Barbie movies were always released around my birthday. So either like on my birthday or the week before or after. So my mom would always buy them for me. Um, But I just thought it was like masterful, the Barbie movie. Like I loved it so much. I gave it like five stars. So really loved that. I watched Monsters, Inc., which was good. And I had I went through like another bout of watching, rewatching like childhood movies on Disney+. Plus. I saw the Beanie Bubble on apple tv which is about like the beanie craze of the 90s and like it's about how awful of a person ty was it was like the ceo and how all of his success is about like the three women who like one woman who like designed the website and he never really like paid her very much and then all of the kids who gave him ideas and like they were originally on the tags and it was like designed by Ava or whatever in the movie they changed the names um and then he changed it to be his name and stuff because he like couldn't like compare with the child and then like the um his business partner that he like cut out so um I really like that people are like it's a good story but there's no like cinema to it and I feel like I don't know I don't really care like it's just like it was kind of interesting um it was directed by Al Gore's daughter which oh so she has a career which is good for her um and then to kind of keep that like toy game um vibe going because I had also seen Barbie then I watched Tetris um also on Apple TV which was kind of boring um not my favorite thing I didn't realize that the Tetris was created in the Soviet Union and then like 
it created a bunch of problems where they're like, we don't sell things from the Soviet Union. And so then it was like an illegal thing in the US. I don't know. So it was like, it was like the Wikipedia page about Tetris is more interesting than the movie because everyone, it was just like bad acting. Everyone was just screaming and like people can talk normally. Like that's a thing. I don't know. It felt like a stage play. I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then I saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which just came out on Disney+, Plus, um, which I loved. The soundtrack is great. Um, there's a Rocket origin story, and I own a Rocket stuffed animal. So, like, legally, even though it was gifted to me for Secret Santa, but, like, legally, because I own him, he has to be my favorite guardian in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I was excited to see um, more Rocket Raccoon content wait um, so do you think i can watch it without having seen the like million marvel shows or movies that have come out in between yeah i mean they kind of fill in like okay. a little bit they're like so like gamora is dead and so basically like she's replaced with like her past version but they kind of like remind us of that a lot um, there was the whole thing of like Thor joining the Guardians, but that's not in this movie. I would say that you're fine. But um, did you know that Chris Pratt was discovered um, as he waited tables at the Bubba Gump Shrimp Co? Nepo wise, um, Linda Cardellini. She also has another role here. She's like has like at least two roles in the MCU. So Queen. Um, but she was a contestant in a 1994 episode of The Price is Right, winning a fireplace. So, yeah, I think that helped her. <laughs> I love Linda Cardellini. Oh, my Me God. Too. Yeah, I also, it wasn't until Brooke Mar- mentioned Barbie that I forgot all the theatrical releases that I've seen. Because I did see Barbie and Oppenheimer. And then last night, I also saw Theater Camp was the movie I forgot um the new movie I think it just came out but it was with Ben Platt Molly Gordon Mm -hmm. who I love Ayo Adibri I think that's how you say her last name I could be wrong I could be very wrong (laughs) but um and she's in like a ton of movies coming out but that movie was very very good very very funny apparently Molly Gordon and Ben Platt went to theater camp together as kids too so they have all this archival footage of like them actually as kids performing plays together it's very cute they're both nepo babies they're both very nepo babies and i think they directed the movie as well but super funny super hilarious i've been seeing a lot of ads for the movie on tiktok as well Mm -hmm. um they also had like a, a lot of really funny bits of like clips on tiktok that weren't included in the movie and i was like oh. they were so funny like there needs to be it's like the first movie in a long time that i watched and i was like i wish it was longer like i wish they just like kept in all the jokes <laughs> definitely recommend it if you guys are looking to see another movie in theaters all also right. like barbie was great <laughs> yeah, um all right where can they find us on social media they can find us at remake hot take on all social media that you can probably think of <laughs> um, and you can find me at Maria Schwarz on probably all social media that you can think of. Um, Silvana, do you want to be found? I don't want to be found, but I've been on other episodes <laughs> if they want to watch them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So check out our other episodes of Silvana. Um, and then they can find me at B underscore Reese Cup on Instagram. 
and my Twitter is still private, so you can't find me on there. <laughs> I'm interviewing for jobs. <laughs> well, thanks so much for watching, everybody. Yay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>